What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three supporters of Jeremy Renner's music career with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I guess I think Hawkeye is cooler now than I used to, but I still don't think that says very much. I'm Keith Baker, and I was rooting for Jack the whole time. And I'm Austin Terry, and the trick arrows were a little much for me. On today's show, we'll be talking about the latest television addition to the MCU, Hawkeye. But before we get to all that good stuff, Austin, are there any past episodes our audience should be checking out? Yeah, well, last week we checked out the newest uh, reboot sequel, Scream 2022, Scream 5, or just Scream, whatever you want to call it. There's a ton of names there. Um, I got to say, we all, I think, secretly had a good time at that movie. And my favorite part of that recording was breaking down Deputy Dewey and Gail Weathers' relationship. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the Scream franchise and the new Scream movie, be sure to go check that out. Yeah, definitely check that one out. I think going into that recording, we were all, with the exception of Austin, feeling a little bit negative. But I got to say, I think as we went on and talked about it, I think I definitely came out of that one feeling better than I did going in. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic for today's show. It's crazy to think that Marvel released five TV shows in 2021. At the beginning of last year, we talked about WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier in depth, episode by episode. WandaVision reunited those characters to explore the effects of trauma in a sitcom-style world. Falcon and Winter Soldier told Sam Wilson's journey to fully embrace the Captain America mantle, and we felt both shows lost a little bit of steam by the end. Later, we jumped into Loki and were surprised that a character with existing development could be developed even further after he had died previously. The show is much more consistent than the others episode to episode, but I think we felt that it may not have had the same highs as those previous ones. Uh, we also reviewed the first half of What If on this show, the animated project exploring what could have been with some of our favorite MCU characters had they gone down a different path. From what we did see, we thought it was just okay, and as someone that ended up finishing the whole series, I think that kind of maintained that. It was fun, but nothing more than that. And now last month, Hawkeye wrapped up. We've never been that attached to Clint Barton since we felt the MCU never really had that much interesting to say or do with him outside a few key scenes in Age of Ultron. Out of all these shows, I think we were incredibly skeptical about this one because of that. But perhaps adding a new up-and-coming character in Kate Bishop to go on a personal journey with him could be a dramatic piece while also leaning into the comedic side of their relationship. So, with that, Austin and Keith, give me your non-spoiler thoughts on Hawkeye as a whole before we get into more detail in just a little bit. Yeah, I think for me, Hawkeye is probably the weakest of all the MCU shows so far. Whoa. I do still think it is really fun, and I did have a good time with it. I just don't think it ever hits the highs that a lot of the other shows did. I think the biggest positive is Kate Bishop. The addition of her character is really fun, and I did enjoy the relationship between her and Clint Barton. Um, I think overall, though, it, the show really struggles to figure out what it wants to be. It has this like really serious story going on, and then there's some really just goofy... Sometimes funny, sometimes not funny moments like surrounding the main story. And a lot of times like half of that worked and half of it just felt kind of really cheesy to me. Clint Barton did grow on me by the end of the show. But overall, I just don't think Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is a very interesting premise for a, a six, seven episode show. Yeah, I mean, I was dreading watching this show. <laughs> and as I got into it, I was still dreading it. It did not start off really hooking me, uh, especially with Kate Bishop. She was conveniently like, already too good at what she was doing. And I just kind of found the beginning a little slow, a little boring. But the show picked up for me, started to grow grow on me as it went on. I, I think Jeremy Renner did kill it in his performance. I liked all the funny moments in the show. I thought the action was quirky at times. I will agree with you there, Austin. There was some weird weird stuff with the villains that was a little bit confusing to me. Um, but overall, I had a good time with it. And I think it's probably one of my highest, actually, as far as the MCU shows goes. 
Yeah, to jump in there, I think I feel kind of similarly to this one that I did to Loki. And I'd even go a little bit further that the highest praise I can give this show is I think looking at this six episodes, I think this is our most consistently good show. Now, same with Loki, though. I don't think it ever hits the highs of those great moments from WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I will give this one props because I never had that same feeling where by the end I was like, oh, my God, these last two episodes just feel like they're shoving so much in. And even with this show, putting in all these villains, somehow for me, it still worked. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the highlight, of course, which I'm sure the critics agree with, is Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld's chemistry. I mean, it was just really, really great. And whenever the final credits rolled, I felt like kind of like you said, Austin, I had much more of an appreciation for Clint Barton. I wish we had gotten that way sooner in the MCU, but I still had that. And then I'm super excited to see where Kate Bishop goes. And I hope, you know, somehow they find a way to kind of pair them together once again, because I mean, that relationship was just too good not to explore further, I feel like. Well, that note, um, non-spoilers, of course, but do you think this is Jeremy Renner's goodbye to the MCU or do we see him in the future? I gotta say, whenever they were first announcing this show, it kind of felt like that was the vibe. It felt like this was his swan song to pass off the Hawkeye mantle. But I don't know. After watching this show, maybe he got a bit of a reinvigoration. Maybe finally being at the forefront of a show, he was like, okay, yeah, there is kind of cool things to do with this character. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the future. Maybe not like in a huge role or even like a member of the Avengers, but I feel like whatever Kate's future is in the MCU... Somehow he'll be attached to that as like a permanent mentor. I don't know what it means, but I mean, I think we will see more of him in the future. Yeah, I think that's the most positive thing this show did was establish the Kate and Clint relationship because I am excited to see that come back. I do hope Kate Bishop gets more of the forefront of like the Hawkeye side of the Avengers, but I am really excited to see her and Clint continue to interact in the MCU. All right. Well, like we kind of teased, there are a lot of villains in this show and a lot of crazy, weird story things going on that Austin mentioned with balancing the drama and comedy. And I just don't think we can fully get into that without dropping our official spoiler warning. So I know it's been a month since Hawkeye wrapped up, but if you still haven't finished it, make sure you go and hit Disney Plus, watch all six of those episodes and come on back. We'll be waiting for you. All right, guys, here we are. Spoiler territory. I'm going to set you guys up and you take it away with the cast and crew. So, of course, Hawkeye is set one year after the events of Avengers Endgame. Clint Barton must partner with Kate Bishop to confront enemies from the past as the Ronin in order to get back to his family in time for Christmas. All right. And for our cast and crew, uh, the show is created by Jonathan Igla, who you may know from Mad Men, Masters of Sex and Bridgerton. Uh, We have three episodes that were directed by Reese Thomas, who you may know from SNL. And then the remaining three episodes were directed by the team Bert and Bernie, who you may know from Troop Zero and Kidding. Our score for the show is composed by Christopher Beck and Michael Paraskevis, and the show is heavily based on the Clint Barton and Kate Bishop story arc in the 2012 Hawkeye run by Matt Fraction and David Aja. Going into our cast, we have Jeremy Renner returning as Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez, Vera Farmiga as Eleanor Bishop, Tony Dalton as Jack Duquesne, Frav Fee as Kazi, Linda Cardellini as Laura Barton, and we got Florence Pugh returning as Yelena Belova, Vincent D'Onofrio returning as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. Marking the first time an actor from the Marvel Netflix shows appeared in the mainline MCU. His Daredevil counterpart, Charlie Cox, would appear in Spider-Man No Way Home later the same week. 
All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any highlights, positives, negatives, what you got? I think I'll take the obvious one, and that's Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I really do think without her involvement in this show, it would not have um, come off as positively as it did by the end. I really like the way her performance is like fangirling over Clint for the first half of the show and then like really growing as an archer and a hero uh, in the second half of the show. And I also really dug her relationship with Yelena, too. I don't know. I liked everybody in this show, to be honest, but I think I think I'll also shout out Haley Steinfeld as well. I, I was actually a little bit skeptical at first when the uh, when the first episode came out. I wasn't really digging her too much, but then she kind of grew grew on me as she went on. I think she's badass. She played the character of Kate really in a really cool way, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in any future uh, MCU projects. And I guess another one I'll shout out is I don't know if it's his performance, but just his character was kind of funny. And that would be Vincent D'Onofrio returning as oh. Kingpin. Um, and I, and I was talking to Austin before this, before we started this episode, I have not seen Daredevil all the way through. So I had no idea who Kingpin was. Okay. Uh, I didn't but know I did, that. Okay. Yeah. But I did enjoy his character though. Uh, it was, it was fun. You should go watch Daredevil. Cause yeah, yeah he's way more intimidating in Daredevil than he was yeah, in this show. I can see that. That's because they got to do like R rated on Netflix. Like one of his mm. intro scenes is him literally somebody that works for him kind of upsets him. So he like takes their head, puts it in a car door and just slams it until oh, he decapitates geez. them. <laughs> God, nobody delivers a line quite like Vincent D'Onofrio. Whenever he's getting mad at Vera Farmiga, he's like, Goldman Sachs. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm so scared of him. <laughs> when he's talking about Mai, he's just like to a cause. He's like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> he adds like 12 syllables to the word it somehow. <laughs> so I'll shout out two. The first one is the person I thought Keith was just going to shout out where he was like, I didn't really know too much about the character, but they were fun. And to me, that was the embodiment of Tony Dalton as Jack. I thought this guy was so good. Just a bumbling doofus that seems like he might be evil at the beginning. And by the end, it's like, nope, he has no idea what's going on. I just really like swords. So just like swords, guys. Can't blame me for that. And then the other one I didn't expect a shout out, mainly because I thought they were going to be in the show for like a very limited amount of time. But I loved her in Black Widow. And I think Florence Pugh is kind of further cementing herself as just a really exciting character to watch with Yelena. I love seeing just a quick little glimpse of like her post Black Widow life where we, she ended up getting blipped and coming back. And then, of course, having to deal with her sister's death and how that kind of naturally ties into the Hawkeye um, and Clint Barton story that they're telling, I thought was pretty perfectly done. So I thought she was great. Cannot wait to see even more of her and um, Haley Steinfeld because they're obviously, you know, setting up that these are the new Black Widow and Hawkeye because they were friends before. And now here's the second generation of that. So I think that's going to be super cool to see. I love Florence Pugh as Yelena. I, I honestly, I think she's, I don't think she's better than Scarlett Johansson, but I think she's way more fun than Scarlett Johansson ever was in the MCU. Well, I think Austin, that's actually a good point when talking about this show and Black Widow, because maybe you don't like Haley Steinfeld or Florence Pugh like better than the previous people, which, you know, that's up to that's subjective for everybody. But the thing I love is in her first outing, they're already they've already given Haley Steinfeld way more of an arc and more to do than Jeremy Renner got in 10 years of stuff. And with Black Widow and this, they've already given Yelena more to do as, you know, the quote-unquote Black Widow than Scarlet got to do in 10 years. So at least they're learning. It would have been great to see the past actors get more to do, like, sooner. But at least 
you know, for the future, I'm not worried about these future iterations of the characters. Jamie Hunter's had so much to do in the MCU. You remember when he got to roll around in the mud with Thor in the first Thor oh, movie? Oh, wow. I forgot about that. How could I forget about that iconic <laughs> scene? <laughs> All right. Well, that's some solid cast and crew talk. But why don't we go ahead and check in on what the critics thought of Hawkeye? Yeah, they were pretty positive. Rotten Tomatoes reports a 92% approval rating. The website's critical consensus reads, Hawkeye starts slowly, but the street-level action is a refreshing change of pace for the MCU, and the chemistry between its leads sparkles even when the plot lags. Positive reviews consistently called out Clint Barton's development, considering he is the least known or used Avenger in the MCU, the performances, particularly the chemistry between Renner and Steinfeld, and finally, it's charming and full of heart while jumping into another new genre for the MCU, a detective story. The negative reviewers mainly wondered if the show was more concerned with setting up Kate Bishop for future MCU projects instead of actually giving a good reason for Barton and Bishop to spend so much time on this mystery. I totally forgot about the whole Ronin storyline, so I thought it was kind of cool how they brought that back. And I'm kind of glad they brought that back because as much as I love, you know, kind of the big, bombastic, emotional roller coaster that Avengers Endgame is. The Ronin thing in that is pretty bad in terms of how they handled it. It's just the movie opens with him losing his family because they're blipped, and then his next scene is him killing a bunch of mobsters as Ronan. And in the same scene, Black Widow comes in and is like, Clint, there's hope. And he's like, don't do that to me. And then literally, that's the only scene with Ronan. Like After that, he's like helping the Avengers. It was so poorly handled. And I guess you have to wonder how much they knew about the story of this show at the time. Like, were they planning just to put that in there and then make Ronan the main plot of this? So even though I hated Ronan in the endgame, I'm kind of with you, Keith, that I'm glad they brought it back because they're able to do a lot of interesting stuff, not only story-wise, but also kind of character-wise. Like, how do you kind of feel about Clint as the show goes on? Because he did a lot of bad stuff, but you also kind of get it. So it was kind of a good balance, I thought, that they hit with that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, Matt, because like I get he was killing people as Ronan, but he wasn't really doing anything too bad. He was just killing no. bad people. Yeah. I actually think it'd be really interesting to see a Ronan show, like maybe have the first season of this show be Ronan and then the second season that we got in this. I, I think that could be pretty interesting. Mm, that could have been cool. Yeah, so definitely some good points on both sides there. I'm sure we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the positive and negative as we go forward, because now it is time for our in-depth freeform discussion. I'll go ahead and start us off. Overall, I feel like the show had a really big task of kind of utilizing Hawkeye for the first time, even though he's been in the MCU since Thor in 2011. So it took 10 years to give him an actual story, which I think we could definitely say the same thing about Black Widow, since, you know, Scarlett Johansson was introduced in Iron Man 2, and she didn't get, you know, her own story until Black Widow also in 2021. So while they did a lot of good stuff, maybe some stuff that didn't quite work, did you think that this story might have been a little too little too late, or was the introduction of Kate Bishop kind of the only thing that saved it? I don't know if it's too little too late, because I think it's hard to figure out what exactly you do with Hawkeye in his own thing. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, this is my opinion, but he's the lamest Avenger. And I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest consumer of Hawkeye comics, meaning I have not read a single one of them. But I can't think of like an iconic Hawkeye villain that you pair him against for an entire show or movie. So I think it just took a long time to figure out what they actually wanted to do with it. And, and I think using this show as a way to introduce the next generation of Hawkeye being Kate Bishop, I, I think it was a smart choice, especially if you're going to spend six episodes just focused on Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. Yeah, well, I did enjoy every every piece that Clint was in and how it developed his character. I think I do agree with you, Austin. I think it was good that they did attach it to a like a younger, fresher face like 
Kate Bishop and bring it into a new generation because, I mean, let's be honest, Jeremy Renner's looking, he's looking kind of old and he worn looks down. horrible. <laughs> well, and, and actually, I think I think the fact that this comes so late into the MCU actually helps the show because it's really cool to see him dealing with the after effects of being a hero and being in all these stressful situations for so long. Yeah. I, yeah. The loss of hearing was such a good choice, I thought. Very realistic. Um, also, of course, tied into the Maya character. And one of my favorite scenes was just like, <laughs> um, Kate, like, yeah, what happened there? And then it just is like a quick flash of like all the times he's gotten like hit really hard or fallen in the past movies. And it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could have been <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> a perfect way to show a street level hero, I thought. In terms of Too Little Too Late, it's kind of sad because I know we give Jeremy Renner shit just mainly because his music is so terrible. For the audience out there that doesn't know <laughs> why we give Jeremy Renner shit, go listen to his music and then come on back. I think you might get it. And actually go watch him then in The Town and The Hurt Locker because he <laughs> yes. is a good actor. He's just He's done dog shit actor. since then. <laughs> Such a good actor. And I've always liked him as Hawkeye. It's just I feel like he got so little to do. And it's also kind of lame because you find out like, after the fact that in the original script for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, like the main three characters on the adventure were going to be Captain America, Black Widow, like in the movie, and Hawkeye was going to be there too. But then they were like, well, we've got to do Sam Wilson, so Hawkeye, we'll just cut him out of it. So it's like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then also with the Black Widow movie, I, I enjoyed that movie, but I was kind of disappointed that it came so late because the scenes where Natasha is talking about like her past missions with Clint were so interesting. And it made me go, man, if they had done this movie like five or seven years earlier as they should have, we could have gotten this amazing origin story with like Natasha and Clint on some of their first missions together. And they talk about these great moments in this show. It's wild. It's wild to me, especially because their friendship was so key that we never got a Black Widow Hawkeye movie. Yeah. It's like when it comes to Too Little Too Late, I agree with you that like this show found a way to do it, but it does kind of make you feel like, God, I wish they would have done it right along the way. That being said, I think the story they chose to tell, they can, they're continuing because he's like the one Avenger like that they're really consistently showing like his family growth. Like he has like young kids that we've seen grow up since Age of Ultron. So he's such a different character in that way. Like he's never, his priority has never been to be an Avenger. It's always like be, be a family man and then I'll help you when I can basically. So I think they continued that while also introducing Kate because, um, I think that's the only way you can do it. Same with Black Widow. It's like, like you said, Keith, you have to have a fresh face when you're telling these stories so late in the game. That's why they probably had Yelena be such a big role in Black Widow so she can kind of carry on the mantle. Same with Kate Bishop here. So I end up liking the show, but it did kind of make me look back and go, man, I wish they would have handled Hawkeye better. So like speaking of Kate as a fresh face, um, I mean, how'd you guys like her intro? I mean, for me, I was I thought it was kind of a bit too convenient that she was like already like one of the best archers and she was already like fantastic at martial arts where she could do all these crazy fight maneuvers and stuff like that. Did you guys want a little bit more development there and like have Clint be a little bit more of a teacher in her skills or, or did you kind of like that she already had all those skills kind of going in? I thought that was the smartest choice they made in the show. I'm so sick of seeing the traditional hero origin story where we see the training montages and all that. I thought it was cool just to show why she's obsessed with Hawkeye jump to the present, show the trophies. I, I think the way they framed it in the first episode with her seeing Hawkeye becoming really like uh, infatuated with him, it just makes sense to me that she would dedicate her life to becoming an archer after living through the Battle of New York. So I thought it was really smart. And speaking of, I think it's a good point to bring up in general, Keith, the one time where I think it's okay to have somebody kind of, um, I don't know, fast forward through their origin is in this weird, crazy MCU world because 
we obviously can't relate to it, but watching that opening scene, like you said, Austin, the Battle of New York, I thought definitely not expecting the show to start there, but watching like the real damage that real people face during that. And then that beautiful shot of just like her entire office walls exploded and she's just seeing Chitari coming towards her. And then you see like the arrow hit it. Then you see like the reverse shot of Hawkeye jumping off the building. Just like she got to witness like Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Black Widow, Thor do their shit. And then there's just Hawkeye there. That's who became her hero because it was just like a normal guy. So I think that kind of worked. Again, it is fast, but because they started there and it's the MCU, it kind of worked when they fast forwarded it but like after that. You called it beautiful. I would say the CGI looked like if you were going to do the Battle of New York in a TV show. Looked a little rough for me there. Well, it is. It is a TV show, all right. And there's more instances of it being a TV show as we go on in terms of CG. No doubt about that. So we talked a good bit about how Rodan is a big piece of this show. And I want to go back to that because I think this show tries to be really serious with the Rodan storyline. But then they surround that main story with goofy elements like pizza dog, trick arrows, uh, the tracksuit gang or whatever they are. Bro. And, and Bro. like the LARPing police officers <laughs> and firefighters. So I just want to get your take on like did that element of balancing all these goofy elements with the Rodan story. Like, did that work for you guys? Because for me, some of it worked, but a lot of it didn't. Yeah, I think it worked for me. I liked all the goofy stuff in this show. I, I think I kind of liked that they kept it a little bit lighter because sometimes they can get too dark where it's just, and it takes itself too seriously. And I kind of like this, that this one didn't do that. Yeah, the trick arrows was like, whenever that happened, I was like, finally. Because like the quote unquote trick arrows for Hawkeye up until this point have been like, hey, this arrow explodes. Hey, this one's a grappling hook. So of course, I totally see where you're coming from, Austin. It's absolutely goofy. But still, I was like, that's what they were kind of building up. So at least they're giving us something. And I do think the goofiness kind of made it a bit more watchable because I worry if like the entire thing had just been him trying to track down the Ronin suit and confront his past and destroy it. That might have been a bit overdone. It might have been like almost goofy in the bad way, like watching him confront this thing that we don't even really know that much about. So the fact that the Ronin story was just a piece of it, continuing off of Endgame, and then they had like this weird kind of goofy world, that kind of helped with the street level aspect of it for me. Like watching Hawkeye like begrudgingly have to go to a LARP because he thinks the Ronin suit might be there. Does it make sense that a firefighter would take a suit from a burning building? No, of course not. That was stupid. But the fact that it led to Hawkeye having to go to a LARP and participate in it you know, it's kind of fun. I understand that it might not work for everybody, but it kind of helped me kind of adhere myself to him as a street level, not only hero, but an Avenger. Yeah, I, I think for me, the, some of the goofy stuff worked, but I think they I think they overdid a lot of it. Like the LARPing stuff was really fun in that one episode, but then they kept going back to it. And I was like, all right, this is a bit I was much. surprised they kept going back to it, to be honest. And the ending of it, the resolution was not good. Them just like putting on their costumes to like in the finale. OK, everybody, you go this way. It's like they couldn't do that when they weren't wearing costumes. Like that was kind of dumb. <laughs> and like no one's going to respect a, a dude in a Viking uniform. You probably should have put on your firefighting suit. That actually <laughs> lends you some authority. Decent point. Decent point. <laughs> the dog thing kind of got on my nerves too. It's like how many times does it say we got to go walk the dog or feed the dog? It's like we get it. And that, that's another good point, Keith. Like they kept going back to the dog. It would have been fine if she saved him. And then they bring the dog in the final episode to the Christmas dinner. Like that's probably all you need of the sure. dog. Um, the trick arrows, they're really fun when they use them. The thing that didn't work is that they kept calling them trick arrows. Like every time they did that in my mm -hmm. head, I was just like, tricked ya. I haven't watched the show since it came out, but from what I remember, it was only 
Kate calling them trick arrows, which that aspect as like the biggest fan of Hawkeye kind of worked. But if Hawkeye was calling them that, then I agree with you. And then lastly, for the tracksuit mafia, I don't know what they were doing with these guys. <laughs> like, how do these guys get anything done? Do they spend their whole day know. coordinating what tracksuits they're going to wear? That that one really didn't work for me. I thought they were goofy and had some funny moments. But just the fact that they were called the tracksuit mafia and then they all wore tracksuits. That, how is that intimidating like at all as a threat? <laughs> and why is Maya working with these bimbos? And these guys, these guys work for Fisk? Apparently, like the, yeah. Apparently. How, how does he work with them? <laughs> <laughs> and how they like quadrupled in numbers too at the end was kind of weird for me. How they keep showing up in these moving trucks and just piling out. And there's no cops anywhere for miles at all. They're just, they're having free reign of this entire square. Like the whole weird thing of like Maya's dad being clearly part of the tracksuit mafia and then Ronan killed him. So then now she's, I guess, the leader of the mafia. And then somehow Kingpin is like overseeing everything. That kind of ties into your original point, Keith, that we'll get to later, that the villain stuff does get a bit muddled at times, how that all kind of works together. But speaking of Ronan, I know you brought it up, Austin. I do want to talk about this a little bit more. We've talked about kind of how the goofy stuff may or may not have worked. But with Ronan specifically, because that is such a huge part of the story, I wanted to know, for me, as somebody that that didn't work at all in Endgame and watching it be a bit of a bigger part here, I thought it worked okay. I don't know how much I liked the Ronan stuff where it just kind of turned into Clint having to track down the costume and then basically hiding it away. Like, you know, I'm burying that part of me. But then Maya keeps kind of like, you know, Ronan killed my family. Like, I hate Ronan. I'm going to kill Ronan. Then he eventually has to don the Ronan costume once again and maybe kill her, but maybe he can kind of adhere himself to her and she'll be okay. And then that's kind of it. Like, by the end of the show, I don't know if the Ronan stuff even really worked that well. Am, am I alone there? Did you guys like that stuff? I think there needed to be more fallout from Ronan because where I thought the show was headed is I thought the public was going to find out that Me Hawkeye too. was Ronan and he was actually going to have to deal with that. And ultimately, it really just kind of stayed contained to all the people involved in the story. And he still really has not had to deal with the fact that he was on this murderous rampage for years during the blip. You kind of just forget about it, yeah. <laughs> as, it go, as it goes on. Um, and by the end, I just didn't even care. I was like, oh, yeah, the whole Ronan thing, I guess that's resolved now. Maybe or not. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, or not. Yeah, that's actually a great point, Keith. I definitely forgot about it at times. And maybe that kind of ties into your point, Austin, because the show was kind of goofy and fun that whenever it does go back into the serious aspects, it can get a little like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, we're back into this now. Like, buckle your seatbelt or whatever. So, yeah, I wish the Ronan stuff had had a bit more of an impact. And then, of course, in like the last shot of the show, they are finally burning it. So that's clearly not going to really come back at all. So, yeah, I wish they would have done a bit more with that. And I think to your point, Matt, we really haven't seen that much of Ronan. We've seen those two scenes in Endgames and some flashbacks in this show. So as an audience, we haven't spent a lot of time seeing the darker Ronan. So we really don't know exactly everything he did as Ronan in the MCU. That's exactly what I was just going to say, Austin. I was like, I feel like if, you, if you're going to care about Ronan, you got to have a little bit more of a backstory on it to really know the gravity of it. Yeah. I did like to do some positives to Ronan. I did like that his wife, I mean, clearly that's a discussion they've had and they've had to overcome because she was blipped and then she comes back and has to find out that, you know, her husband was like murdering people, you know, again, bad people during the blip. But I like that. And I've seen this online. I love that Clint is clearly super open with Laura. They have like a very <laughs> clearly healthy relationship and they've talked through that and figured it out. Kind of the same thing with whenever um, 
I love the scene when Clint and Kate kind of have a little Christmas celebration because he can't go home to his kids yet. Uh, and that ends up culminating in him uh, telling her that he's a Ronin. And you think like, oh, no, is this going to be like a weird thing where she's like, I hate you. How dare you? You're my hero. And like <laughs> she doesn't come back until the finale to help him. But no, she kind of I don't think she likes it, but she also kind of gets it. And at this point, she likes him. So you kind of accept it. So I thought that was a great little writing moment, too. All right, cool. So we've talked about Ronan a lot. We've talked about the tracksuit mafia and we've talked about her a little bit. But the person at the top of both of those story points, of course, is Maya Lopez, played by Alakwa Cox. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about this character from the comics. And obviously, Alakwa Cox is a deaf actress playing a deaf character. So that's cool. Just like they did with Makari and Eternal. So I like seeing that representation. But how this character work for you? Because I thought she did a great job. But kind of her story, I think you might be able to argue, gets a little bit muddled, too. This kind of ties into, once again, the villain conversation. So just in general, what do you guys think of Maya as a character? I thought this actress did a great job of making the audience feel her rage, even though she wasn't actually verbally speaking. Like, I could feel how much she hated Ronan. And I actually thought they spent a good amount of time here showing her past with Ronan and why she would hate him so much. Um, I think it gets a bit muddled, though, like you said, that when you think about her being in charge of these just idiots in the tracksuit gang. Um, also having a weird relationship with Fisk, where I think I think she's like his niece or something like that. Yeah, they, they say uncle, but I don't know if it's blood or just like one of those like, you know, you're my uncle. Like, I don't know. I have no clue. It's one of those things where I like the character and I'm excited to see what she does next. But I just don't know how dark or evil she actually is, because I don't really know what she's been up to working for Fisk in the MCU. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I was kind of just confused the whole time with her. You guys just told me that Ronan killed her dad. I, I guess I missed that. <laughs> so I, I wasn't quite aware of what her rage was, why she was full of rage, I guess. And and what kind of relationship she had with the other curly head dude. I can't remember his name. Kazi? Kaza, yeah. I didn't get this at all. I thought he was in love with her, but I guess that's her cousin in the show. Oh, really? I thought he was like her brother or something like that. Interesting. I thought he was just her friend. So <laughs> we all had very different uh, <laughs> No, from further there. reading, it's her cousin. Yeah, just to clarify, I think it was episode three was the one that started with the Maya flashback where we're seeing her as a young kid in public school. Then her dad comes in and she's like, I thought we we're going to go to private school for people like me. And he's like, we can't afford it. And then you see her like in karate class of some kind fighting. Um, and that's where they kind of first tease Kingpin as the uncle. And then the final flashback is her like showing up. Because uh, her dad is in the tracksuit mafia. Like, she's showing up to, like, a meeting, I guess. And then as she's, like, walking through the building, we see Ronan kind of moving throughout it. And he's, like, killing everybody. And then she ends up holding, like, her, you know, dead dad in her arms. And so she's like, I'm going to kill Ronan. And then so whenever Haley Steinfeld puts on the Ronan outfit, she sees that, like, in, like, the news and the pictures. And she's like, Ronan's back. I'm going to kill them. So that's kind of what sparks that whole thing. It's also teased that Maya uh, does end up killing Fisk at the end. So is Fisk actually dead? Does he survive the bullet? Are we seeing Fisk again? What are your overall thoughts on Fisk and Hawkeye? Fisk got shot by an arrow in his chest, got hit by a car at full speed, got point blank at an explosion. He's fine. He's coming back. He can survive a bullet, no doubt. <laughs> My boy Vincent D can't do anything. So is he a superhuman or a super uh, soldier? This is actually a good question, Keith, because you are not the only person asking this. Because people that watch Daredevil were kind of like, I mean, yeah, he was really big and strong, but was he like invulnerable? And then people that like Daredevil watched this show and they were like, I guess he is. So 
there is a little bit of like maybe they kind of upped his power level, so to speak, just to make him a bit more comic accurate. I don't know. But a very good question, because it is goofy watching him get hit by a car and exploded and nothing happened. <laughs> in the comics, he is very strong. I don't know if he's actually a super soldier, but he is extremely strong in the comics. Well, my theory is he's still alive. We'll see. Uh, they've already confirmed, this is a good spot to bring it up, that like Maya Lopez, aka I guess her name in the comics, I'm not familiar, is Echo, which is a really dope name, I feel like. But she is getting her own Disney Plus show maybe this year, probably 2023. So you have to imagine if she's getting her own story that Kingpin will be the main villain of it, um, kind of continuing off of um, this story. And I guess Echo and Daredevil have a very close relationship. So I think that show is probably going to be about um, Maya teaming up with Matt Murdock to take down Kingpin once again. And a little bit more confusion on my part. I, w- I want to talk about this too. Yeah, this is, this is Kate Bishop's mom, Eleanor, and her her dad. They were tied to Kingpin, and they owed Kingpin a debt. Is there anything that I may have missed that you guys know about in this? And what's going to happen to Eleanor? Is she going to go to jail? Is she going to be redeemed? I don't think you missed anything, Keith. I just don't think it was super well handled. Basically, it's weird in the first episode where it's like, oh, here's Kate's dad, and then he dies. We never see a body. And then Eleanor doesn't seem that concerned about the husband dying. It's like, oh, is there something there? Uh, And then at the end, we find out, okay, so the dad owed a debt to Kingpin. So Eleanor has spent her life trying to repay it. But then at the same time, she murdered Jack's, whatever it was, Armand, Armand. like the father or grandfather, whatever he was. Um, So it's like, okay, and she framed Jack for it. I guess that was to help Kingpin. And then that last scene after Kate fights uh, Kingpin... It's just like the police come and she's like, you have to go to jail now. So I think she's going to jail, but somebody like her could probably get out. I I don't know. So yes, the villains overall confuse me quite a bit as well. I think the villains are the weakest part of the show, just because it got so jumbled trying to figure out everyone's relationship to each other. I guess I really didn't care too much about Eleanor, but I just wanted to know <laughs> what, what did you guys think about it. I wanted her to do more. I love Vera I was Farmiga. surprised it was Vera Farmiga. In Gosh, the, she's in so MCU. good. Yeah, she's no, so she was good. good, but I just like I just didn't expect that 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 twist at the end. I guess it's one of those weird things where it's about casting because like she's such a big actress that like you expect like whoa Vera Farmiga's in the Hawkeye show like what's she gonna be doing? And ultimately, like yes, like there was a twist that she was a villain, but. It wasn't anything super unexpected or interesting. So it's like, we couldn't have got Vera Farmiga to do something different, people? Come on. I think she's got to go film the next Conjuring movie, so she oh, won't no, be back please in the don't. The last one was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the devil made Vera Farmiga to film Hawkeye. <laughs> the devil made him do it. Hawkeye is a pretty... Largely self-contained story, especially compared to some of the other MCU shows. How did it feel kind of just getting a story that's really self-contained um, as opposed to what we've gotten from the broader MCU shows? Because there aren't, there aren't any like real stakes for the future of the MCU in this show. It's really just giving Jeremy Renner his due with Hawkeye and then introducing Kate Bishop. I feel like the only MCU show with stakes in terms of like, this is going to change everything was Loki. Where by the end, it was like, oh my god, they created the multiverse. But then even you see Spider-Man, and it's like, okay, I guess they didn't. So it's kind of a weird thing. Because like WandaVision has incredible stakes, but then by the end, she just like undoes the hex and then flies away. 
And it's like, oh, and okay. she's the Scarlet Witch now. And then in, in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, you do have uh, Sam officially taking up the Captain America mantle. Right, right. I guess you don't have like a big like point to moment with the Hawkeye show other than the fact that, hey, Kate Bishop's here now. It's a tough one. I liked how this one brought in past things, like I said already, with like Yelena specifically. Watching her like couple episode arc, I thought was super fascinating and made a lot of sense post the Black Widow movie. And then where that culminated in her fighting uh, Clint, I thought was really awesome. And then the way he kind of, I thought in a pretty emotional scene was able to explain to her what happened without like having proof because nobody can have proof for like, I was on this mountain in space and Red Skull from World War II made Natasha jump off a cliff. (laughs) So (laughs) you can't do that. But the way he kind of proved it to her proved that like, you know, he loved her and was, you know, his best friend was super cool. So there are like strings like that, the time to the broader MCU that will definitely pay off later. But I agree. I think it's not necessarily a problem with this show, maybe just a larger MCU Disney Plus TV thing where I don't think a lot of these shows in the end are going to mean too much. I feel like they're all going to feel like extra content, if that makes sense. It's like, because at the end of Endgame, uh, Steve gives Sam his shield, like, and it's like, okay, he's going to be the next Captain America. So if you've never watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, you could just assume, oh yeah, he's Captain America now. But it's a lot cooler if you watch that show. It makes it more impactful. Same with WandaVision. So I I hear you. I I don't think this show, I think maybe it had that issue, like it doubled down, um, but I still liked the strings that they did connect from the past stuff. Yeah, I think it's possible for Marvel to do both. Like they can give us a show like Loki that does have actual things for the future of the MCU phase four, but then they can also give us something like Hawkeye. That's just a pretty fun story revolving around a character that we've known for years with all the different appearances he's had. Um, I, I think for me at first, I didn't really like it when I realized, oh, this is really just a Hawkeye story and, and kind of nothing else. Um, but by the end of it, I did really like Yelena and Kate Bishop so much that I'm excited to see their future stuff. And I feel like I know them better from having watched the show. Yeah, I didn't necessarily come into this hoping it was going to be like a big tie to the MCU. I was just hoping for a fun story, which is what we got. Um, and it gave it just gave me a, a better appreciation for Hawkeye, you know, and we repeated it so many times, but we didn't get a all that much of him in the past so it was kind of cool just to get a little bit more insight to his character and his skills and 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 what he what he did in the past and all that and then like like we said it's just cool that we gotta kind of have a new new face and let's see what happens with her all right well speaking of the broader mcu shows should we go ahead and rank everything we've gotten so far all right it's gonna be tough but i'm ready We've done this so many times. I honestly can't remember what I did for my last rankings of the MCU it show. So matter. it might have changed. Matter. I think it just depends on how I'm feeling that week. Um, yes. I think for me, I'll probably go number one, Loki. Number two, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Number three, WandaVision. Number four, What If? And number five, Whoa! Hawkeye. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> Damn. All right. I'll go Loki, WandaVision, Hawkeye. Ooh. And these last two. They're about tied for me. I'm just going to tie them. That'll be the Falcon and Winter Soldier and What If. I guess mine isn't too crazily different. I think I would go... I think I would go number one, Loki. Number two, WandaVision. Number three, Hawkeye. And my only switch from Keith is I will give a definitive version here because I do feel strongly that number four should be Falcon and Winter Soldier and number five should be What If. What If is the only one that I came away with, like, I didn't really get much from it. So I think that's last for me. I had just had a lot of fun with What If. And it's I fun, actually no think doubt, it is yeah. going to tie into Doctor Strange now, which is kind of making me think true. it's more important. That is true. That's true. Good point. 
All right, guys. So I can't believe we've already said this. Once again, I'm still baffled by the fact that we talked about five MCU shows that came out in 2021. That's insane. And we have way more on the way. So we already know that on March 30th, Moon Knight is coming out. So that's going to be the first MCU Disney Plus show that's focusing on a completely new character played by Oscar Isaac. We also know She-Hulk is coming out in May, which will have Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth and somehow fitting into all that good stuff. And then Miss Marvel, which will somehow tie into Captain Marvel, I think, comes out in August or September. Like I also mentioned a little bit ago, we don't fully know if Echo, the Maya Lopez show, will come out in late 2022 or 2023, but that will also presumably bring back Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. So any thoughts on the future of Disney Plus? I really hope Moon Knight is an R, or at least a very dark MCU show. That trailer made it look like it was going to be dark. It was really interesting. I, I'm super excited to see Oscar Isaac in the MCU. I think the one I'm the most intrigued by, though, is She-Hulk, just because Tim Roth is in it, and I don't like that Edward Norton Hulk movie, so I, I want to see how they tie it into Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Definitely looking forward to getting Tim Roth back, and maybe some General Ross back, too. Oh, Austin, you'd love that. Uh, no. <laughs> maybe Edward Norton will make an appearance. That would be shocking. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for She-Hulk, too. From what I've heard, it's kind of more of a lighter take and almost like uh, an episode-to-episode, -episode, like, Law and Order type thing where it's just She-Hulk, because she's a lawyer uh, who's trying to defend all of these uh, familiar faces from the MCU, so that could be super interesting. Again, I would have to imagine Charlie Cox would be in that, too. So they just need to put all their money into Charlie Cox's Daredevil, Okay. That's my pitch right now. Do it. Give us Daredevil Season 4. Keith would love it. He's never seen a single episode, but he wants Daredevil Season 4. He told me in private. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before we close out, let's go ahead and do our Arnie's Podcast Awards. If you're new, this is the part of the show where we talk about the episode as a whole, Hawkeye in this case, and we give an award to something, it could be positive, but believe me, it could also be extremely negative. So guys, who wants to start us off? What's getting an award today? I've got an award for Mr. Wilson Fisk, and that is the Secret Partier Award. This guy is rocking a Hawaiian shirt and a top hat for he the majority was. of his scenes in this show. He looks like he's just coming out of like a Christmas luau. This man is a secret partier. Mm. I'm going to give the Best Stepdad Award to Jack Duquesne. I liked when he called out that kid for peeing his pants on that cruise or whatever. That, <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. For some reason, that scene cracked me up. Uh, what a cool guy. Uh, Keith, I was going to give a different award, but I think, unfortunately, I might have to double down on yours and piggyback off of it a little bit. I think I'm going to have to give the worst stepped out award to Jack Duquesne. And I agree with everything you just said. I think he is the best stepdad, but... The reason he's going to have to get the worst stepdad award is because, unfortunately, he was a bit too happy coming out of that building in the finale with his sword and murdering people. So he's going to be arrested and go to jail just like Eleanor, unfortunately. So Kate's going to have nobody. At least he's putting an effort in reading uh, stepdad parenting books to talk to Haley Steinfeld I about. <laughs> <laughs> he should get out of jail. The LARPers will defend him somehow. Yes, he may have murdered some people with a sword, but who hasn't? Am I right? I wonder if She-Hulk will be defending him in her show. There you go. You see, Marvel, we got you covered. It sounds like Jeremy Renner may need a lawyer in real life for doing cocaine around his kids. <laughs> oh, <laughs> probably. Oh, no. So with that, Jeremy, get a lawyer. 
Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday to discuss the newly released Season 4 Part 1 of Ozark. I binged the series in the last six months, but I know you both are long-term fans, so while I'm, like, excited to watch it, are you guys, like, dying to get into this? I can't wait to start it. I'm I'm really worried because I think I need to watch, like, a recap because it's been so long since Season 3 for me. Um, I just love Jason Bateman in this show, and I can't wait to see how they wrap it up. I don't know. How long has it been? Like, a year and a half or two years? I think it's been since before COVID that Season oh 3 came gosh. out. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember anything. I mean, I can remember like the main bullet points of the, of the uh, of all the seasons, but I can't remember all the little details. So I might have to go watch a recap as well. Yeah, and then some, for somebody like me that binged it all, I can't really distinguish what season was what. So I think it's going to be really interesting <laughs> for us to review this show coming from kind of different standpoints of fandom. Well, also in a few weeks, uh, we'll be doing, we'll be returning to our bracket format for some romantic comedies the week of Ooh, Valentine's Day. Exciting. Uh, last year, we got some negative feedback that all of our rom-com <laughs> picks sucked. So this year, all of our submissions will not be picked by us. Uh, they will be picked by different people in our lives. And I can't wait to see how this list formulates out. Yeah, we got like a really negative feedback. <laughs> we got roasted on Reddit for that episode. I got roasted by my wife. So hopefully this year we'll pick better movies. <laughs> And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Hawkeye? Is Jeremy Renner the oldest looking person in existence? What Marvel content are you looking forward to most? Anything you say will read live on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time for Ozark Season 4 Part 1. And in the meantime, remember, and I do mean this. If you're going to protect your stepdaughter, just make sure you don't do it with a sword and blatantly murder people. That's all I'm saying. You think uh, Jeremy Renner's going to ask Johnny Depp for some tips on divorce court? Don't do that. Don't do that. See you.